Well, good morning, everyone. I'm so glad that you're joining with us back here at Bethany Community Church, taking a look at this series, We the Church. Just what exactly church is? What is core to church? What is essential to church? What are the things we need to hold on to? And then what are the things we can even let go in this season? And we saw how church is a spirit-filled people. That was week one. Right? And then last week we saw how church is about journeying closely with people, sharing life together. Right? And today, today I want to explore how church is really about a place and a people of radical generosity and radical sharing. But before we dive further into this, I want to let you know that today's sermon has just been really, really influenced and really, really shaped by a theologian named Willie James Jennings and his commentary uh, on the book of Acts. I got his commentary in early May, and I started reading it to kind of prepare for just this series. And it's just really been speaking to me. It's really been opening me up to new things. And it's just, it's really been uh, impacting me in a really deep way. So I bring all of this up because if you want to be reading someone who is deep and profound and prophetic and needed, I just can't recommend him enough. He's a black theologian at Yale, and he has wrote some amazingly important works, especially on race. He has an amazing book called The Christian Imagination and the Origins of Race. And I just think he's somebody that deserves to be read today. That book is a little bit of a deep dive, but it's needed and it's necessary. And so all of this is a long way to say uh, today I'm going to be quoting a lot of him. I actually had the idea at the beginning to simply read his commentary because it's that shaping to me. But and then so, people would wonder what you actually did at work. Yeah, yeah. if I just read a commentary, <laughs> people would wonder what, yeah, what, exactly, what exactly did Andrew do this week? Yeah, that, you would wonder that. I get that. So um, I'm just going to quote him a lot uh, because he's been speaking to me and I believe he'll speak to you too. Uh, so with that, I want to begin in Acts 2 today, uh, back at where we were kind of last week. And so uh, we read this. And all the believers... Right? This is the early church. This is the church, the birth of the church. It says this, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Okay? It says this, And a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. We're going to explore that actually next week. And it says, And all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything that they had. They sold their property and their possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now I know, I know in like the past few weeks, I've probably read that passage approximately like 90 times. <laughs> but it's because I want that passage to really center our imaginations. I want that passage to ground our view of church. I want that passage to speak to us. And I think if you pay attention to it, what you will notice in that passage is that there is no way to miss that the early church was a place that practiced radical generosity and radical sharing, right? That was their posture, that was their pattern, and that was their practice, right? To practice actual radical sharing and generosity. Just listen to this verse. It says this, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. And it says there that they shared everything they had. That word in Greek, shared, it's actually the word hapas. And what it means literally is everything, right? That's what it means. Uh, it means the whole of it. So it says that they shared all that they had. They shared the whole of what they had with one another. And they sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. What I believe is just so clear in Scripture is just this. That when, follow with me, that when the Holy Spirit fills the room, right, that people loosen their grip on their stuff. 
Right? Anyone want to say amen to that? That when the Holy Spirit fills the room, when it fills you, you start to realize that what you've been given isn't just for you. And you start to see the needs and respond to the needs. That's what's going on here in this passage. That's the practice. That's the pattern. Right? And it's so absolutely crystal clear. Sometimes, I personally think it's quite funny. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase before. Sometimes pastors use it. Sometimes, especially people online and social media use it, where they say, the Bible says it, that settles it, I believe it, or whatever, right? <laughs> well, you know what? No one ever then quotes these verses, right? That the Bible says it, that settles it, I believe it, and that we should practice it. But the Bible is unambiguously clear about this, that the early church was a place that practiced radical generosity. So I want to be clear today, okay? I want to be clear that today, I'm not going to blunt the edge of this prophetic scripture. I'm not going to say that what the Holy Spirit did back then was just for then. I'm not going to say that the Holy Spirit isn't going to call you to give and to share what you have been given. I will not do that, okay? Today, I'm certainly not going to make this passage easier or more comfortable for those of us with wealth and privilege, which, in case you're wondering, includes me. And do you want to know why it includes me? Because I have a savings account and I have food in my fridge. So I know I'm miles ahead of so many other people, and I think we need to let this passage uh, speak to us. I think we need to let the scripture speak to us. I think we need to let the Holy Spirit speak to us. So some of you may be wondering, including my wife, (laughs) some of you may be wondering, um, am I going to say you need to sell your house today? (laughs) I was wondering that. We'll we'll, we'll get there. The sermon's not not done yet. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) But what I want to be clear on is that no, 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 no. I am not saying that you need to sell your home if you have a home today, okay? What I want to say very, very clearly is that the Holy Spirit may say that to you, okay? And there is no way I'm going to limit, constrain, or restrict what he might direct you to give. Because in this passage, what we see is a pattern of radical generosity, and I still believe that when the Holy Spirit fills the room, he asks us or invites us into that, right? Because follow with me. This pattern of radical generosity, it's not just in Acts 2, it's in Acts 3, it's in Acts 4, and it's in Acts 5. This isn't a small little blip in the church. This is how the church was founded, with radical giving and sharing. I want to show you a little bit further. I want to even push this a little bit more, okay? Turn with me to Acts 4, and listen to this. It couldn't be more explicit about this. Listen to this. It says this. All the believers, all the believers were united in heart and mind, and they felt that what they owned was not their own. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit fills you. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had, right? Again, so crystal clear in this passage. And it goes on further and it says, the apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and God's great blessing was upon them all. We're going to talk about that in in two weeks. But it says this, like, look at how clear. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles for those in need. For instance, or you could say like, for example, there was a man named Joseph, the one of the apostles nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He was from the tribe of Levi and he came from the island of Cyprus. He sold a field he owned and he brought the money to the apostles. Do you see how this isn't a fleeting moment? Do you see how the Bible is emphasizing it? But so often we don't have ears or eyes, or maybe put it this way, we don't want to see it. Right? Because the Bible is so clear that the early church was founded upon radical generosity and sharing. Listen to how it phrases it. It says there is no needing people among them because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. Now I know, I know as soon as I read this, there's going to be some strong reactions to this. I know. <laughs> because as Kristen knows too, I get the emails. Okay? <laughs> I get the emails. So I know that there are people who are going to be wondering, but Andrew, This sounds like communism. But Andrew, are you promoting socialism? But Andrew, are you against free market enterprise and capitalism? 
So I wanna address that as absolutely clear as I can, okay? Just so you're wondering, so you don't need to send an email, okay? <laughs> Here's what I believe, follow with me. That when there are no more, as the pastor says, needy people among them, that when everyone is taken care of, that when poverty is eliminated, that when people are no longer isolated and in need, and when there is radical giving and sharing and reciprocity, this is what I believe, that that isn't communism, that that isn't socialism. Do you wanna know what that is? That's the kingdom of God, amen? Like, come on, that's the kingdom of God. That's what the kingdom of God looks like, where everyone is taken care of, where everyone is included, where people share what they have been given with those people in front of them. This is what the church is supposed to look like. And I'm not gonna water that down or downplay it because scripture is so absolutely unequivocally clear. This is the practice of the early church, that when the Holy Spirit fills a room, this is what happens. The problem is, follow with me, the problem is, is that money has so corrupted our imaginations and our thinking and that our economics have constrained it, that when we hear of communal sharing, we think of communism rather than the church and the kingdom of God, okay? And if, I guess I'm gonna go further. <laughs> and if today, if today this makes you uncomfortable, if you have a negative reaction to that, I wanna name likely why that's happening, okay? It's likely because you're putting an economic system above the clear teaching of scripture, and you wanna know what that is? It's called idolatry, actually. And it's wrong. We need to follow scripture. We need to follow what God so clearly does here. And what God shows us is that when the Holy Spirit fills the room, people loosen their grip on their stuff, right? Because what does it say? It says they realize that what they owned wasn't just for them, that it actually wasn't theirs anyway. And so they give and so they share. That's what it's called to be a part of the church. It's to be a people who give and share, responding out of what the Holy Spirit guides us to do, okay? So I want to push this a little further, actually. Um, so to make this understanding how we can practice this, because in case you were wondering, I am going to actually challenge us to practice this, right? I'm not going to just let it be something that slides by that we hear and don't practice, right? So I want you to challenge us a little bit more, though, in terms of the ways of thinking. Because as I said, I really do believe um, that our Western consumeristic mindset has infected our imaginations, and it's actually constrained them, and it's actually warped them. I want to show you how and why, and I'll do that by talking about myself personally. So when we read this, or when I read this, when it says, and all the believers were united in their heart, and they felt that what they owned was not their own, so they shared everything together, and it says this, and there are no needy people among them, because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. That when I read that verse, do you want to know where my first thought went? And this is a little bit maybe vulnerable or honest. Do you want to know where the first thought went? My first thought went to my own home and to whether or not I could sell it. And my first thought was like, no, no way. Like, how, how could I sell my home, right? Where would we live? Our little, uh, you know, where would we do? How would this affect us? Like, all those sort of things. I started to think about our 1960s side split, right? And started to realize and think, no, that's not for us or whatever else, right? But notice with me, with me in this, that my very first thought when it comes to this passage, my very first thought was about what? It was about me and my stuff, right? This is how consumeristic and greed infects our imagination, that when I read this passage, my very first thought was on me and my stuff and my possessions. My first thought wasn't on the people in need. My first thought wasn't the people that I know in need. My first thought wasn't on how I can give to make an impact in other people's lives. My first thought was about me and my needs and my stuff. This is the problem of consumerism. It turns us all inward when the Holy Spirit wants to turn us outward. Anyone want to say amen to that? That that's the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Right? And I think this is why we need to focus in on this passage so deeply, because follow with me, follow with me. In the West, our focus is in on our possessions, but that is not what is going on in this passage. In this passage, you want to know where the focus was in? It wasn't on the possessions, it was actually on the people and the needs that could be met and the lives that could be changed. That's what's going on here. It's about people being brought together. 
Okay, that's what's happening. I want to read to you a little bit of Willie James Jennings and his commentary. It's, it's, it's long, but it's necessary. He says this. He says, God does not need possessions and has never been impressed by their donation. Anyone want to say amen to that? Right? I mean, like I can say amen to that because I didn't write it. God does not need possessions and has never been impressed by their doma- donation. He says the divine one. The divine one wants people. And he draws us into that wanting. This is about people and being drawn together. He said, this is intensified giving, feverish giving, that feels not only the urgent need, but the divine wanting. He writes this. He says, a new kind of giving is exposed at this moment. One that binds bodies together as the first reciprocal donation where the followers will give themselves to one another. The possessions will follow. You notice what he says. It's about giving ourselves to one another. It's about people joining in life and that possessions will follow. He says, what was at stake here was not the giving up of all possessions, but the giving up of each one, one by one, as the Spirit gave direction and as the ministry of Jesus made demand. He says this, thus, anything they had that might be used to bring people into the sight and sound of the incarnate life, anything that they had that might be used to draw people to life together and life itself and away from death and the end of the reign of poverty, hunger, and despair, such things were subject to being given up to God. Amen? What he's saying here is that God doesn't need our stuff. He has never needed our stuff. What God wants is for people to be joined together. What God wants is for people to share life together. What God wants is for us to use what we have been given, right? To draw people into, as he so eloquently put it, the sight and sound of the incarnate life. To draw people away from the reign of poverty, hunger, and despair, and into the very life of God. That's what we're called to do. That's what church looks like. Again, uh, Jennings is helpful. He says this. He says, matters of money are inescapable, okay? Matters of money are inescapable. He says this, they are at the heart of discipleship, but they are not the heart of discipleship. Money here will destroy what money normally was used to create, distance and boundaries between people, right? That's what it's about. Follow with me. This is not about possessions and money. God doesn't need your possessions. God doesn't need your money. What God wants and what God does need is for the church to be joined together. But do you want to know what joins people together? Giving sharing, and actually using what you have for the good of someone else. That's what draws people together. What God is interested in is binding people together, is journeying together, and giving and receiving and sharing causes this. So what's my main point today? My main point is really simple. It's just this. That giving draws people together, and that's the church. Okay? That giving draws people together, and that's the church. That's my main point this morning. That when Luke is talking about the giving, the focus isn't on the possessions. It's actually on the lives that were joined together. It's actually on the change. It's actually on the transformation. That giving draws people together, and that is the church. Or to use Jennings' language, he says giving creates shared bonds of life, and that's the church. That giving creates shared bonds of life, and that's the church. And this is what Scripture shows unambiguously and unequivocally. Right? Scripture says this, and all the believers met together in one place and they shared everything they had. I keep reading this because I want this to get into our souls, to seep into our imaginations, right? That this is how church functions. They met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. And then in Acts 4, it says, and all the believers were united in heart and mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything they had. There were no needy people among them because those who own land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. This is church. Okay? Church is a communal relational gathering where giving happens. Right? Church is the place where deep needs and deep giving meet. So if you ask me, what is church? I would say it's this. I would say it's people seeing needs and responding to needs as the Holy Spirit leads them. That's what church is. 
people seeing needs and responding to needs as the Holy Spirit leads them. So what does this mean practically? I know the part some of you are nervous about, the part even Krista's a little bit nervous about, not sure where I'm going to go with this. I've been thinking this the whole time. I bet you they have too. (laughs) I get that. Where are you going with this, hon? Where am I going with that? I I get that. I I know it can be nervous. It's nervous for me too. But what I don't want to do is to blunt the call of the Holy Spirit to give. Right? That is not what I'm going to do today. Okay? Not from Scripture. Not from Him. Right? So what do we do? Well, what does this mean for us? Well, I think this should be fairly obvious. That we need to start sharing and giving so our lives get joined together. That's what I'm going to invite you to do. That we need to start sharing and giving so that our lives get joined together. Because remember here, the focus isn't on money and possessions. That's our Western focus. The focus is on lives being drawn together. That when we give, that's what happens, right? As Jennings says, money can be used to create uh, distance and boundaries, or it can be used to shrink distance and boundaries between people. So today, my main point is just this. If you want to actually follow Jesus, right? If you want to be the church, it starts with giving and receiving, right? We need to be a part of this. That is possible. Follow with me. It is possible to be religious and not to give. It is possible to be spiritual and not to give. It is not possible to be a follower of Jesus and not to give. Not according to this passage. Not according to the practice and the posture of the early church. So this week, here's my challenge for all of us. I'm going to be really clear with it. Okay? Here's what you've all been waiting for. My challenge is to follow the Spirit and radical giving and sharing this week. That's my challenge. Would you follow the Spirit and radical giving and sharing this week? Would you see the needs around you? And then would you respond as the Spirit guides you? That's what I want to invite you into. To be aware, to be looking with Spirit-filled eyes, to have your heart be drawn to people, and then to actually respond. So that lives get joined together. So that lives get intertwined. So that lives get joined. That's the whole part about this. right? That giving draws people together, and that's what the church is. That's what I want to invite you into. Now, I know some of you. Some of you, as soon as I say that, though, you might be thinking to yourself, but like Andrew, the last few months have been really hard. I don't have much. I don't have any extra. Things are really, really difficult. And that may be absolutely true. So I want to remind you, though, about this passage, though. In this passage, the point isn't to just give of possessions, right? The point is to draw people together. That's the actual heart of it, right? So what I want to invite you to do is even if today, whether you have a lot or a little, I believe that this is something we can all participate in if we focus in on giving what we have and not just limiting that to possessions and to finances and to wealth. Right? So for example, for example, in Acts 3, we see this actually. And we're going to talk about this next week. But what we see is Peter and John, and they're walking. And they see a man um, who is begging. And this is what they say to him as they see him. They say, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. Listen to that. I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what, they, what I have. They don't have any money. They don't have any possessions. But what they do have is the good news of Jesus. So they share that with the man, right? They actually share the gospel with the man. And so I think from this passage, for some of you, you might be able to say, like Peter and John, that I don't have any gold or silver. But here's what I want to invite you then. What is it that you do have that you can share? What is it that you do have that you can give? Maybe for some of you, it's going to be a listening ear. Maybe for some of you, it's going to be a word of encouragement. Maybe for some of you, it's going to be a testimony to how God is moving. What I know, though, according to the scripture, is what church is, is a space where people give so that people are drawn together. So what is it that you can give that might be able to draw people together? And then for many of us, though, for many of us, though, this will involve our finances. This will involve our possessions. Remember, God doesn't need them, but through giving them, people get joined together. And so for many of us, we have extra, and the call is we need to give, we need to share, and we need to actually respond to the needs in front of us. But I want to be clear with how I want to challenge you in that giving, okay? And this might sound a little bit funny, 
And in some ways, perhaps I should have ran this by our executive pastor, Andrew before I preached this online live to everyone. Um, but today, specifically with the call to give for those with financial means, I am not going to be asking you to give to Bethany Community Church today. I know that might seem unexpected, especially in COVID-19, as so many churches are struggling, but here's why, okay? First of all, I want to be clear. I absolutely 100% believe in every single thing that we are doing, in our mission, and how our money is stewarded and given and used. What I can say with no qualms or hesitations whatsoever is that the money given to Bethany Community Church, it changes lives. And we can show this, we can demonstrate this, we can prove this through not only stories, but metrics. Giving here matters, and it actually changed lives in Niagara. I have zero qualms or hesitations with saying that and naming that very clearly. You should know, I give and I tithe to this church, not because I am paid, but because we believe in this church. I see the firsthand accounts of people's lives changed by this church. But even with that today, I'm not asking you to give to Bethany Community Church. Even though I know there are people here who get fresh starts and how we financially aid so many people, I'm not asking that today, and here's why, okay? Because I want scripture to guide us, right? And then this scripture, if you pay attention, what you'll notice is that all of the giving and receiving, it's actually framed in relational uh, spaces, right? It's about seeing a need in front of you. It's about responding to the people in front of you. Remember last week, it's about journeying with people, seeing needs, and meeting them. So today, today what I want to invite you into is just this, is to look and to listen and to see a need and then respond as the Holy Spirit guides you. That's what I want to invite you into, to look and to listen, and then respond with courage as the Holy Spirit leads you. This week I heard a story from our home churches that there was someone who was struggling to make their ends meet, because that can happen in this season. And what I heard of is how that group banded together to be able to help that person to be able to pay uh, for this month's rent. That's what the early church looks like, right? Seeing somebody that you know, seeing a need in front of you, and then actually meeting that. What I want to encourage you to do is to actually meet the needs in front of you so that our lives get joined together. That's the whole point, right? That giving draws people together, and that's the church. So that's what I want to invite you into today. I want to invite all of us to be thinking through what is it that we can give and share that will draw people together. That's my challenge. Jennings puts it this way. He says, now these followers of Jesus will become the bridge between uneven wealth and resources and uneven hope and uneven life. Those who have uh, must join those who do not. And those in the middle, having neither a lot nor a little, must find their home in the space at the apostles' feet. I love this last line. He says this, There, they must hear the call to offer themselves for the sake of God who feverishly seeks to create the common. This common space where needs are met and people are seen and noticed and loved and journeyed with. So today my challenge is uh, to give. To give in such a way that your lives get joined to give in such a way that your lives are brought together, to give in such a way that even your lives are intertwined with another's. That's what I want to invite you into. And to close, I want to read one last quote from Jennings. Um, And may it speak to your heart as if it's been really speaking and opening mine. He writes this. He says, Luke gives us sight of a holy wind blowing through structured and settled ways of living and possessing, and he's pulling things apart. He says, people caught up in the love of God not only begin to give thanks for their daily bread, but daily offer to God whatever they had that might speak that gracious love to others. What is far more dangerous, and I love this line, what is far more dangerous than any plan of shared wealth or fair distribution of goods and services is a God who dares to impose upon us divine love. He says, such love will not play fair. Such love will not play fair. In the moment we think something is ours or our people's, the same God will demand that we sell it, give it away, or offer more of it in order to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, or shelter the homeless. 
using it to create the bonds of shared life. That's what giving is about. It's about actually hearing that call of divine love upon us and responding, right? Because that divine love does not play fair. And it will call us to give, to create shared bonds of life. That's my challenge for you this week, to enter into that, to hear God's call upon your heart and to respond and to say yes and to give so that shared bonds of life might happen. What is far more dangerous than any plan of shared wealth or fair distribution of goods and services is a God who dares to impose upon us divine love. Such love will not play fair. In the moments we think something is ours or our people's, the same God will demand we sell it, give it away, or offer more of it in order to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, or shelter the homeless, using it to create bonds of shared life. So Holy Spirit, may you use our giving this week as we respond to you to create bonds of shared life, because that's the church. Let's pray. Dear God, I pray you would give us eyes to see and courage to move and courage to say yes to what you call us to. God, I pray, would you be joining us together deeper through our giving and our sharing? I pray, God, might we have the courage to have radical generosity a part of our everyday daily lives. I pray this week, God, would you actually enable each of us to see, Lord, how you're asking us to give so that lives together may be joined. I pray, Holy Spirit, might you fill the room and might we loosen our grip on our possessions and on our things and on our finances so that we might give freely, so that we might live and look like the early church. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Grace and peace, everyone.